Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I told you last time that we have special guests for you, and it's our time of the year where we do the highlights from conference. So I have two powerhouse speakers that we had at Grace Story Conference 2021. Uh, that's going to be Rosie McKinney and Sarah Fry. I'm going to tell you a little bit about both of them as we go. Uh, but if you want to see some of the clips, we're, we're going to have the whole library, uh, both the 2020 and 2021 uh, conferences are going to be available to those that came to the conference exclusively uh, with their code. Um, those that That's coming out in February. Uh, and I'm told by those that are higher up than me above my pay grade uh, that they're going to be able to somewhat share that uh, with a few select people. There's going to be a limit on the amount of people uh, that they can share their code with. Uh, I don't know how all that shakes out, but be looking for that to come out. If you know somebody that went to the conference, you weren't able to go, maybe find them and go ahead and find a way to, uh, to you know, I don't know, buy them brownies, um, send them something in the mail. I don't know, but you bribe them some. Somehow get a get a a party together, and uh, we want you guys to enjoy um, the the highlights that are coming out. The whole library, rather, that's coming out now. If you want highlights, we're having uh, and there's already some over on YouTube. The YouTube channel, Grace Story Ministries YouTube channel, is launched. Uh, there's clips already over there. Kathy Sprinkle, Ryan Waters, uh, some of the podcast episodes are starting to pop up over there, so you can listen on YouTube as well if that's more your thing, uh, or if you know somebody they just just listen on YouTube. Tell them about Grace Story Ministries on YouTube. They can listen to the the, the podcast. They can listen to the highlights and watch those. Um, but this week, these clips that you're about to listen to from Rosie McKinney and Sarah Fry, uh, the parts of those uh, two minute clips, maybe six minute clips, whatever's put together, are going to be releasing simultaneously this week uh, with uh, this episode. So you'll be able to not only listen to it here on the podcast. But then you'll be able to, and then they're about 15, 16 minutes long here on the podcast. But over on YouTube, you'll be able to catch some of those parts um, with the live video um, on YouTube for you to, uh, to to view and then also share. It's so easy to share YouTube onto your social media sites um, and, and keep it going. Share the resources the Grace Story Ministry has. All right. So first up, we have, uh, I told you, these are power house speakers. Um, there are things that as I was listening there at my favorite women's conference that I go to every year, Grace Story Ministries uh, Women's Conference, uh, I, I was up in the, the the rafters there listening up in the upper deck uh, with you know Darren and, and, and Nathan and some of those others. And man, I was just blown away by A, the quality of the content, but the, the truth um, such blessing on what they were saying, such hard things to say, knowing that there's probably going to be pushback on actually sharing the truth, the uncomfortable things that are, they're just true. Um, there's no way around it. So I, I love what they had to share. 
Uh, I will tell you, Rosie McKinney, uh, she's uh, one that we've had on the podcast. She's in the one labeled uh, earlier there at the beginning, Fight for Love. Uh, That's part of the book that she wrote. So if you want to listen to that one, you're going to want to go all the way back to episode 15 that was released in October of 2020. And you're going to hear Rosie McKinney and I talking about her book, Fight for Love, sharing some of her stories. So if you catch the clip here, you catch a little bit of that YouTube video you want some more go back and listen to episode 15 with rosie fight for love rosie is a writer speaker and podcaster who over 10 years ago entered the fight against her husband's compulsive porn use through her faithful and uncompromising stance and his repentance counseling and group work their marriage is now porn free from the very beginning of her journey rosie has been bold and relentless about reaching other wives struggling with porn-invaded marriages. Now, there is a thriving recovery community on the central coast of California, supervised by her husband, Mark, who is now a certified sexual addiction therapist. Rosie, in this clip, uh, calls him her hero. You're going to hear it at the end, and says, I didn't know I'd ever call him that. Rosie is the founder of Fight for Love Ministry, which empowers women with both the facts and the faith to fight against porn addiction and its effects on them, their spouses, and their families. I know you're not going to want to miss this. So while we go into this episode, head on over to YouTube, uh, subscribe to the Grace Story Ministries channel while you're listening to this clip uh, so you don't miss those other ones as they come out this week. It'll notify you uh, when we get new clips up on on YouTube. So go over there and, and click subscribe while we listen to this highlight from Grace Story Conference 2021 with Rosie McKinney. I'd like to take just a few moments and explain what is happening inside the brain when you use pornography, because I feel this is so important to help us take this paradigm shift from thinking this is a harmless thing that's kind of unpleasant and we don't want to talk about it, to recognizing this is a nasty, dirty, great snake that we need to get out of our houses. So how... How do you become addicted to pornography? That always really confused me. Like, how can you become addicted to just watching something? I watch, you know, cooking shows and I'm not addicted. Well, I might be, actually. <laughs> how, is it, how, how can you get addicted to something that you don't inject, you don't ingest, you don't smoke? Well, pornography addiction is a process addiction, just like gambling, where the chemicals that give you that high are actually produced in the brain. But that still didn't fully explain it for me because I'm like, well, why, do you, why does your brain release happy chemicals when you're watching something so disturbing? Like, does that not, is that not confusing? It's like, I don't understand that. Then I read about the reward center of the brain. So we have this thing in our brains, the reward center that operates a little bit like that jar that you use with your children when you want them to stop killing each other. Okay, don't hit your brother, you can have a token. Get enough tokens, we'll go and have ice cream. Okay, the brain works in a very similar way. When it wants you to repeat a behavior because it uh, biologically uh, helps you survive, things like eating calories and uh, reproducing, it's gonna biologically reward you. You get a hit of those chemicals. And the brain does not differentiate between having sex and watching other people have sex, or whatever it is that they're doing. 
But the thing with pornography, how it is different to actually having sex, is that normally there's an off switch. Like eventually you come out of the bedroom and you come out of the dining room and you get back on with life. But with pornography, there is no off switch at all. You can literally binge for days. All you need to keep another squirt of those happy chemicals coming is to click on something new, something novel, something more shocking, something more taboo. You can literally binge for days. But the brain has a beautiful design. And God put in lots of safety mechanisms to keep us at an equilibrium because we're not designed to watch pornography. We're not designed to have days worth of happy chemicals squirting in our brain. We're not designed. So it has these safety mechanisms. And in the same way that your kids go, every time a fire truck screams past, that's what happens with our uh, receptors, our dopamine receptors in our brain. So that the drug that's being squirted is no longer quite so effective. And also, uh, when you have, when there is enough usage of pornography, the, the brain actually produces another chemical that's like a break. And it says, okay, you keep doing this behavior, you're not listening, I'm, I'm trying to make it less effective, but you're still not listening, I'm gonna apply this break. And it lowers your baseline of happiness so that everything feels dull, everything feels miserable. And this is why guys appear angry and critical and resentful, because now they need their drug to actually feel normal. But the drug that they're using is losing its effectiveness, so they have to do more of the drug. And you can see how guys and girls over their heads and start going and clicking on stuff that disgusts them, stuff that's dangerous. So the big question is, why don't you just stop then? Like, this is, this is threatening your relationship. You might lose your job. You might crash your car. Why don't you just stop? Well, there's a condition called hypofrontality, and you get this two ways. One is in a head-on collision, and the other is from heavy porn use. And basically, it means you can't think straight. It's an impairment of the prefrontal, of the functioning of the prefrontal cortex, which is your decision-making part of the brain. It's what helps you make rational, logical decisions and weigh up consequences. Your gray matter is being shrunk, and your brain is no longer able to think straight. So even though you know this is a bad idea, there's a part of your brain that's going, nah, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And you just override your desire to not do it and just go, just one last time. And this is why when we say to our guys, I need, if you love me, you'll stop, and they don't, and it rips us up. We need to change our thinking. It is possible for them to love us and be doing this behavior. And how 
But so, so some people say, okay, so he's not doing it compulsively, he's just doing it a little bit. Is there a safe amount of porn? They were saying this. Is there just like, is there like a safe amount? You know, they're viewing it like sexual junk food. Like he's not addicted, he's not crazy, he's not being, you know, all the things that I've described. He just does it every now and again. Is it really an issue? Well, the thing is, porn is not sexual junk food. It is poison. And just a little bit is going to affect your marriage. And they have done studies now that prove that even a small amount of pornography changes how your partner views you. They did a study where they took uh, a group and they gave them a survey. How do you rate your partner's sexual attractiveness, their performance, and your general satisfaction with the relationship? And then they took a, they split them in half, a control group and a user group. The user group were exposed to one hour of pornography for six weeks which is not a lot of porn. And then the user group, they showed them nature documentaries or something. And then they gave them the same survey. And wouldn't you know it, in the user group, those who'd been viewing porn, they now rated their partners lower. Not as attractive, not as happy. It's a bit like um, the story of the Snow Queen, where there's that magic mirror that an evil troll has made, and when you look through it, you can only see the bad and ugly in people, and the mirror shatters. Do you know that story, Hans Christian Andersen? The mirror shatters, and it goes, the little shards of glass go in people's eyes, and now everything that they see has this lens, and they only see the bad and the ugly in people. Pornography is like that. It's like a shard of a shard of objectification, a shard of dissatisfaction has now lodged in your husband's eye. So the answer is not to become the pornography that he watches, but to get it out of his eye. You don't want him seeing you through that lens. You don't want to accommodate it, to ignore it, to overlook it. You need to get it out of his eye. And it is possible. So now we're going to come to the good news. How do we do it? How, do, how on earth do you get a guy who is enslaved, entrapped, poisoned to get rid of this? Well, here's the secret. And this is a secret that everybody on this side of recovery knows and that we had to learn the hard way. You have to draw a firm line in the sand. You have to take a zero tolerance policy on porn. And the sooner you can do that, the better. And uh, the Bible actually tells us to do this. It was there all along. 1 Peter 3. I love this scripture. And I hope you will too. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Okay, I know you're not loving it at the moment, but I'm going to explain. First of all, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. This scripture has been misused. You know that. Our primary submission is to God. If your husband is engaging in ungodly things, your God your father is calling you to stand on his word 
and flee from sexual immorality and keep yourself pure. In marriage, to become one. If he's doing this, it is infecting you. It is infecting your relationship. It's traumatizing you. You know this. So what is God saying? Stand firm and keep yourself pure. Stop yourself from being affected. Now, I'm not going to give you a directive, well, don't do this. But you decide. If he's just looked at pornography and you know that, he is, that his mind is nowhere near you when you're feeling obligated to have sex with him, just think, just think about it. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I feel God will speak to you individually about what you need to do to keep yourself pure. Certainly don't engage in it. But the last part of this, when they observe your chaste conduct, keeping yourself pure, accompanied by fear. Whoa, hang on a minute. We're supposed to be frightened of our husbands. That's what brings them to repentance? I'm like, I need to have a look at that. So I'm looking in all the different versions. This is the uh, King James Version. It says accompanied by fear. Sometimes it says respect. Sometimes it says reverence. And for the longest time, I thought this meant the wife's fear, the wife's respect. So I asked a professor friend of my husband's um, who's good at Greek, and I said, what do you think about this little bit accompanied by fear at the end of 1 Peter 3? without telling him why I was looking for it. And he came back and he went, well, if you look at the way grammar is put together, words that go together don't have to be adjacent. They can be, they have the, the, an affix or a, a suffix that, that connects them to this word. So actually, that word fear does not belong to the chaste conduct, it actually, um, goes with the observing. So let me read it as he explained it to me. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe in fear your chaste conduct. It is you standing firm. It is you obeying the word of God that actually will put the fear of God in him. And isn't that what happens? Isn't that the story of everybody you've ever known who got through this? At some point, you have to put your foot down and say, enough. And then when you go to him, you can do it in love, hopefully, and say, I love you and our marriage too much to let this take us down. I know you can't help this. I presume that you got into this way before you ever met me, and this is nothing to do with me but your brain's no longer working and mine is and I'm following the word of God and I am kicking this out of my household today. So how do we do that? How do you stand firm? Because believe you me, it's not easy. So that's where we come in at Fight for Love because there are two things that we can help you with that are gonna make you feel so much stronger and strengthened and supported one, step one, get educated. We have created lots of resources for you, and we can also point you towards lots of resources, and this is gonna give you resolve and confidence so that when he pushes back and says, you're overreacting, love, the problem is your problem, everybody does it, you go, you're not thinking straight. 
I've read about this. And then you go to step two, which is get connected. You need to be with other wives fighting this. Our community is now 800 women strong all over the nation. And so when you go, he's just called me crazy. He says I'm overreacting. The other women can come along around you and go, you'll never believe what mine just said to me. And then the women further down the path will go, mm-hmm. You need that. We need each other. It's what this conference has all been about. We need our sisters to stand alongside us and keep our brains, which are traumatized by living in this crazy world with a porn addict, to keep us on the straight and narrow. We need each other. You can't do this alone. Get educated, get connected, then get help and we can point you towards the hospitals, the healing avenues, and I think you're going to hear from some of them very shortly, who can actually help you transform your marriage. Because here's the thing, pornography was never the problem. Pornography was a solution he used to a much deeper problem, which is an intimacy disorder, and that is what is the problem with your marriage. There is no intimacy, there is no authenticity. And the way that you get out of this is by walking in the light. It's the very first step. And then when you do this and you stand firm, it's not about getting your old stinky marriage back, minus the pornography. It's about, get some, it's about getting something new, the marriage that God has for you when you are free of this bondage and you are no longer worshipping at this demonic Asherah pole. Your marriage can be transformed to something you can't even dream of. Believe me, my husband is now my best friend and my hero. And, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever say that. My goodness, if you, I told you, it, it can be uncomfortable. I know we talked with Drew Boa about uh, pulling back the curtain behind the scenes of pornography addiction. Uh, and then you have uh, Rosie McKinney also talking about pornography. When you start thinking about how pervasive pornography is in not only our country, but let's just talk about the church. Uh, some studies have it upwards of 75% of individuals in the church have at least viewed pornography and so many more continue to struggle with it. It's something to talk about. Um, we here on Grace Story Podcast, we want to talk about the uncomfortable uh, and the hard things, uh, doing it through intelligent conversation with individuals that have not only been there and walked the walk, continue to walk the walk, and have a little expertise behind their name to help give us the education and resources to move forward. So instead of just not talking, let, let's talk. Let's talk about it. If pornography is a problem, let's go ahead and talk about it. So, um, man, she just lays it on the line. She puts it all out there. Uh, and, man, if you missed conference with that, uh, just go ahead and sign up for next year. Um, there's deals all the time. Get your registration squared away for conference, uh, twenty, the Women's Conference 2022, coming up in November. For more information on that, head on over to GraceStoryMinistries.com and click on the registration tab. Now, our next highlight, again, I told you, it's it's a bunch of powerhouse speakers. Um, and we had Sarah Fry the first year. Um, and uh, so we're, we're glad to have her back. Uh, she also 
is sharing some hard truths in this um, that made I, I, you can hear the audience just resonating with what she's saying. Uh, she feels it. She's prepared. Um, so Sarah Fry, she is a counselor, speaker, pastor's wife. She is an author. She is also a founding Grace Story board member. Uh, Sarah was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, she grew up in the same neighborhood that I did, um, and she was born there to a long family line of teachers. She has a master's degree in pastoral counseling. Uh, she's married to David, a pastor, and they live in Indiana with their six wildly amazing children and four dogs. She teaches voice, piano, and violin lessons. She loves listening to people's stories on her couch and on the phone and over coffee, any way that she can be a listening ear to help carry the burden as, as you move on your journey of restoration. The stories she hears have inspired her to continue learning about how God's grace redeems our wounding. Sarah enjoys nature, reading, hiking, snuggling with her kids, getting away from her kids, uh, devotional, hashtag it counts. If you don't know what that means, you got to come to conference. There's so much that just happens there in the building. Um, she enjoys uh, singing Disney songs, going to counseling to untangle her brain, listening to audiobooks and podcasts just like Gray Story Podcast while doing mountains of laundry and studying neurobiology every chance she gets. She's one of our favorites at Grace Story Conference um, and just knocked it out of the ballpark with such an amazing presentation that connected with so many and resonated with right where many are on their journey of restoration. Listen in as we go back to Grace Story 2021 and relive the moments of Sarah Fry's presentation. I was an adult before it clicked with me that nothing can actually separate me from the love of God. I was an adult before it actually clicked with me that nothing can set, even when I read that, I think, well, yeah, except for myself, right? Which, which, which is truth in it, but like it's all up to us. We actually grew up thinking that you can be separated from God's love. So this is the theme. This one knocked my socks off. My friend who said it is here. I don't really think I struggle with whether he really loves me. I just feel like he loves me, but he's not all that impressed. I won't ask you to raise your hands of how hard it is to feel like God's very impressed with you. But we absorbed this. A lot of us absorbed it. I know. A lot of us absorbed it. Very, very hard for some of us to imagine that he really is impressed with us and loves, like, that he could love me like I love my children. That's really hard to comprehend. What kind of God were you given? Someone said that um, she didn't have the opportunity to counteract these lies, and it has held her back from God for years and years. And she said it was like God was always just like God was chasing me with a broom, ready to knock me back in the line when I messed up. This is me. I apologized to my dad when I was a little girl because I ate a lifesaver off his desk in our home. And I was afraid I was stealing. And my dad was like, that's fine, Sarah. <laughs> you know, no problem there. I didn't get that from my dad. But I was afraid that would be the sin that would send me to hell. Because I ate a lifesaver off my dad's desk. 
I have a relative who was conscientious and she thinks she might have stolen a penny at a yard sale. So she made her family drive her past the yard and she threw the penny into the yard. <laughs> I know I'm not alone in this. Y'all don't have to act like you even get it. I know. So a lot of this was programmed into us as children. And this is hard to talk about. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to mis misrepresent anything, but this is the God I was given. And... Uh, screaming and hollering and wanting to get on the, I believe the story, I believe the Bible's true. My dad says I even believe the maps in the beginning and the, end, the back are true. But this was the focus. Like, they wanted to scare us. And this was not a boo kind of scared. This is a I'm a little girl who wants nothing more to, than to please Jesus. And I know that I'm not Jesus. And one of those things that's not like Jesus might make me burn in hell for eternity. Accidentally, I might just wake up in hell. My sister took this differently. She tells me about us sitting in child evangelism service and she knows which way we were facing and where we were sitting, and she said they were scaring you, and it made me mad. And I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know. I just knew, this God is so scary that you better love him, you better obey him, love's not really a big part of it. Like, you better obey him because he's scary, and he's holy, and he will burn in hell if you're not perfect. I believe in a literal hell. I believe in the Bible. This is not about that. Don't mishear me. We've prayed the Holy Spirit over this place that he'll say this in the language you can hear. People can reject God. I believe that. But not my little old four-year-old self. I wasn't rejecting God. I was terrified. I would wake up in the morning and my parents would be out for a walk and I thought I missed the rapture. So then there's the unpardonable sin. I run into this, and it breaks my heart. And Rebecca shared her story about it. We've grieved the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're in church. If you walk out of this church tonight, and you cross that line, and you grieve the Holy Spirit, you can never come back. And I'm not even exaggerating. And you didn't even know where the line was. You didn't even know what the line was you were gonna cross. And it was terrifying. And maybe your story is a little different, but many of us experienced this. God never rejects someone who wants him. Hear me. Why would he come to this earth and die and hurt and experience how, how hard it is to live? and then reject you because you weren't perfect. Like, that's the whole thing. The whole thing is you're not perfect. He is. He is. He's perfect. And the devil has made us think that we can do it. We were programmed. He is unwilling that any should perish. The theology of this is so deep, it will knock your socks off. 
if I had time to tell you how deep his grace is, how much he wants you to make it, how much it's not up to you. This is not up to you. So we've got some stuff going on here. We've got several things, a focus on getting it. Thankfully, God placed some wise people in my life Um, I think I was kind of an extreme case, but I know a lot of extreme cases, so whatever. Focus on getting it. Anybody ever heard like, did you get it? Did you get it? Woo, she got it, woo, she got it. And I had somebody tell me at the altar, stop focusing on it. Just don't seek it, seek him. And I did, and I found him, and he's not scary. And then we've got this bonus ticket, right? Because the salvation ticket might not cut it. The precious holy blood of Jesus Christ might not quite cut it. So you better get this second ticket that's gonna make sure. I believe in living a holy life. I believe God working all the works he can work in you. But let me tell you that it's not two tickets. This is about accepting him into your broken places, into the places in you that can't do it on your own. And we're just so focused on these tickets that it's all we can think about. I would spend hours worrying if I lost my ticket. And Jesus was just standing there, you know, like, it's me, (laughs) I'm the ticket. So we had this neglect of a rich nurturing of inner life. We missed it. We focus on obeying all the rules, especially our favorite ones. We have our own seven deadly sins, don't we? And we neglect teaching and training, the patience of developing a deep love for the richness and power of God's word. Man, my husband would have edited that sentence if he'd read it. (laughs) I didn't run that one by him. You got what I'm saying, though? Like, like, we're gonna talk about this. This is powerful. I I wasn't taught a deep love of God's word in children's service. This is, I'm not mad at children's workers, okay? Your program came from where your programming came from. However the devil can lie to you, he'll do it, right? I'm not mad at anybody. We have sought outward perfectionism without focus or training or accountability on personal discipleship. That term probably doesn't even mean a whole lot to you personal discipleship, it just means be better, right? But like not digging into the riches of what it means to walk with Jesus, we missed it. We have a robust theology of perfection. Itty bitty grace. What movie was I quoting? Itty bitty living space. (laughs) So, okay. Great, big, powerful theology of perfection. Itty bitty theology of grace. Okay? Grace is scary to us. We think if we embrace grace, it means that we have to sin every day in word, thought, and deed. And that's hogwash. Grace is the unmerited favor of a loving God. And if you can do without that, if you can do it on your own, Come talk to me at my booth. Like, grace is powerful. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. 
Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, there's some lingo in there that gets struck. Like, yeah, well, of course he doesn't want me to, but I might, I might like, not be good enough, and then of course he'll reject me if I'm not good enough because God can't accept sin, and no sin enters heaven, and holiness or hell, so we like, all of this stuff is programmed into us. But he is patient with you. He's patient with you. I believe in spiritual abuse, and it's a scary term, and um, I'm not gonna actually define it, except that it's traumatic, and it wires your brain. Being scared to God, who will put you in the deepest, darkest, fiery dungeon for eternity, for eating a lifesaver, because you were stealing, is traumatic. Let's be truthful, okay? It's traumatic, it wires your brain. Altar work, we have an altar, we use it. My husband's been criticized for not having big, fat, hairy altar calls. But man, we've been through some. And trauma can occur when the goal is to fill up the altar, because that means you're a good preacher and you had a good service, and you pray till that point, you know, where they like stop sobbing and then you stand up and, and then it's done. And nobody ever comes to that person and says, can I meet you for coffee Wednesday and let's talk about what you're struggling with? Like if you had that in your life, that's a, it's, it's a gift. We, wanted to, we wanna fill up the altars because it makes us feel good and we got this many people saved. So we'll say whatever we need to say to get you down here. We'll tell you stories of people burning in, in trucks while they scream in pain to get you to come to the altar. Is that God? Is that God? No. No. It's not. It's manipulation. I am not saying every altar call is manipulative. Beautiful work is done at the altar. We want people to come to the altar to pray about their big toe that's hurting. The altar is a beautiful place, but Thank the Lord if you've never seen trauma happen at the altar. I remember somebody banging me on the back because I was at the altar every time. Every time. I remember a lady beating me on the back saying, you can know, you can know, you can know. And I just wanted to stop and say, yeah, duh, that's why I'm here. Tell me what to do. And I did have people that sat with me. They were like, we're just going to talk to Sarah this time. And they said, it's truth to me. They spoke truth to me that changed my life. And so this is trauma, it is. It's not about a trip to the altar. Some people are gloriously saved and dead and completely let go of their lives to God at the altar. It's a beautiful place. It's, it re represents so much. That's not it. Come to the altar and get your ticket and then what? We have to learn daily how to be with Jesus. That's the point. That's the point. Another problem we have is our definition of sin. There is, and there are a lot of talks going on about sin right now, in our circles even, and, and what the definition is, and it matters. It, the definition of sin matters, but I just want to clarify this for you. If you want God, and you want to serve him, 
he, he accepts that. He accepts that. He knows you're screwed up. And he accepts it. There is high-handed sin that says, I don't care. I don't care. Now, there's a, there's, if you have abusive attachment, there are times you're going to feel like that. But I mean a heart that literally doesn't care if they reject God. And most of the people I talk to who are struggling with all this want to know how to please God. He accepts that. What kind of God? You know what? If he doesn't, I don't want to serve him. I don't want to serve the kind of God I was given. He accepts that I want him and I'm here for it. Teach me and I'll do it. Teach me and I'll do it. He accepts that. Now, if you've got high-handed sin, I mean, if you want to reject him, he'll let you because he loves you enough to give you a choice. We know that someone who doesn't give someone a choice does use of stuff. You have a choice. But this is not about you getting every little bitty thing perfect every single time. You walk and you trip and you fall and you get up and you get muddy and you yell sometimes and you say, honey, I'm sorry. And you, and you, you learn and you walk and you grow. It's part of it. But that's not what we were taught. You won't even be tempted if you get your second ticket. So Jesus didn't have his second ticket. I'm sorry to tell you that. I don't know how he made it. Jesus, right now, make this true to us. Hell is not for the weak who are trying but for the strong who don't care. That's the kind of God we serve. If he's love, how could it be any different? If he's love, how could it be any different? I'm not sure how to close out this episode. Um, there's a lot that you've just listened to. I hope that it resonated with you just like it did with, with me, with Amber, Ryan. I know our, 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 uh, our Grace Story chaplain, Sonia Vernon, was there cheering on these speakers. Um, there's so many more that were there at conference that were just, it, it was so amazing. So if you haven't been to conference, Grace Story Women's Conference is coming up 2022 uh, in November. Head on over to gracestoryministries.com and square away your registration. And like I said, be looking for those clips uh, to be hitting the YouTube channel. While you're over there uh, looking this up, just go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Grace Story Ministries, and it'll notify you whenever a new clip comes out. So this week, uh, you're going to be seeing some of the clips, uh, video clips come out of these exact uh, moments that you've just heard. Uh, So make sure you do that so you don't miss out on a thing. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Our guest on that episode will be none other than uh, Grace Story president and founder, Amber Jones. I always enjoy my conversations with her, so I know you're not going to want to miss it. Um, It'll be a great time. There is no us without you. 
So we hope that you'll come back in two weeks. We know you will. Uh, We hope that you continue on your journey of restoration. Don't give up. We're all in there with you as well. We're all on that journey together. Uh, We'll see you in two weeks back with another episode. Until then, we'll be praying for you.